This is the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese here with you solo. Donovan Bennett back next Tuesday. And boy, oh boy. Well, that was something. I got a note from uh, from a buddy of mine. Actually, I got two. One, one last night from uh, our pal Fadden, South Dakota, who said, can you please not talk about this game tomorrow? I was like, well... In my head, I was like, well, I gotta give it some credence. There were th- some things that happened last night. And then, of course, I got a text before the show from uh, from Mark, my pal. And he says to uh, tell his dad, Elvi, the Vikings stink. So there you go, Elvi. They kind of did stink last night. That whole game just had a foul smell to it, really. Josh Dobbs with the four interceptions and only one touchdown in total. What did I say yesterday? Man, this really feels like it could be a high-scoring game. You know what? I'm going to stop saying that about primetime games because none of them are high-scoring games. Very rarely. That is like finding a very rare gem in the Amazon. Not on Amazon. In the Amazon. It's not happening. I'm, I can't believe with some of the matchups that we've had, how many duds of these primetime games we've had. Now, having said that, last night was not one of those pinnacle matchups that we were looking for. Nothing screams low scoring like the Chicago Bears at this moment in time. And the Vikings, for that matter. Both, listen, we're, we're talking about the offenses a lot. Both defenses played well last night. So we can, we do have takeaways. The Bears defense has been a lot better lately, as has the Vikings defense, who, let's not forget, they were horrible at the beginning of the year, which also lends credence to, yeah, Brian Flores is a really good coach and never should have lost his job in Miami. And we all know about the situation with Brian Flores now. You know, pending lawsuit with the league. Might not get a head coaching gig anytime soon. But he's certainly deserving of one, especially with the job that he's done with this defense. Daniil Hunter, another sack last night as he, among others, approaches the sack record. TJ Watt also in that conversation. Miles Garrett also in and around that conversation. But that game last night, woof. We'll start with the Josh Dobbs conversation because I know a lot of people are really down on Josh Dobbs. But it was one bad start. The other two start, the other three starts were fine. He was two and one. They lost to the Broncos by one point. So it's not as if this guy's been getting his doors blown off every time he steps on the field. He's been pretty good, actually. And so it kind of rings hollow for me when Kevin O'Connell after that game last night says, well, we're non-committal on Josh Dobbs at the start or something in and around there. Is Jaron Hall really a better solution to whatever ails you right now? Probably not. And I don't know how you even consider not starting Josh Dobbs with Justin Jefferson probably coming back after the bye. I don't care how bad the loss was because not all of that was on Josh Dobbs. 
in reality, how many of those interceptions can we look at and say, well, yeah, that was Josh Dobbs' fault? One? I certainly wouldn't give you more than that. So to to say that you're non-committal on Josh Dobbs for me is, well, it's kind of BS. There's a reason why you brought him in. Obviously, you had faith in him to right the ship here, which he has done with Kirk Cousins on the shelf. And frankly, I think he's absolutely deserved another shot. Again, especially with Justin Jefferson coming back. Now, on the flip side, Justin Fields and that conversation. Oh, and by the way, uh, before we get any further, Sean King, former NFL quarterback, he hosts for uh, VEASAN, uh, primetime is the show, um, and Super Bowl champion, of course. He will join me in the next block, and we have lots to get to with him, but we are going to talk a little bit about Justin Fields with him. But I wanted to start the conversation with Justin Fields goes out plays well, has an absolute seed on that basically game-winning throw to DJ Moore, an absolute dart. Great play. And all the conversation that's surrounding Justin Fields is, are they going to draft a quarterback? I could say that you, we have not learned enough about Justin Fields because of the pieces that are around him. And so many people will say, well, they traded for DJ Moore. Yeah, they sure did. Did they do a ton to improve that offensive line? Because it's still not very good. Does Justin Fields make some poor decisions? Absolutely, he does. But Justin Fields has something that... of quarterbacks in the NFL do not have, and that is insane athletic ability. And, you know, we can talk about how good Cole Komet has been this year because he's certainly been a lot better. Shout out Notre Dame football. We can talk about how Darnell Mooney has been serviceable at times. And we can talk about how good DJ Moore has been for Justin Fields. But I don't think that the coaching staff has given him a lot of help. I don't think the offensive line is good enough. And so the way I look at it is this. If the Chicago Bears end up with the first overall pick, this is going to be shocking to some. I'd try and trade the pick. I would try and trade the pick. Now that's going to come down to basically whatever coach comes in here for Matt Eberflus, because that is going to happen. Matt Eberflus will not be the head coach of this team next year. And so when you look at it, whoever comes in, and I, and I was talking to some people um, in the newsroom before the show about Justin Fields and his future. If let's say it was Jim Harbaugh that comes in from Michigan, he's it's going to be his decision. They have the first overall pick because they have Carolinas, which is certainly looking like it's going to be the first overall pick. And he says, no, I want Caleb Williams. Well, guess what? That's what's going to happen. And then the issue becomes people are going to know that. And it's going to absolutely crater Justin Fields' trade value. So they they have to be very careful 
about how they go about this. Because you're certainly, I mean, maybe not certainly, but I don't think that you're getting a first-round pick for Justin Fields at this point. I could be wrong. You know, maybe a team like the Atlanta Falcons gets a little desperate at quarterback because Desmond Ritter's not the answer. I also threw this one out there because I think this would be a wonderful fit. Geno Smith has struggled in Seattle. How about a little Justin Fields action in Seattle with really good weapons, two really good running backs, and a better offensive line than what he's dealing with? Then I think you will see how good Justin Fields can be. Chicago is in a very good spot because they have the two first-round picks. They're both going to be probably high, although they keep winning games. That theirs is not going to be as high as maybe they anticipated. But the Bears have assets here and important ones. I know they did trade away their second-round pick this year, but Montez Sweat looks pretty darn good, and he's under contract for the next few years. So you have a piece on that defense. Could they go out and use the first overall pick on a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr.? Sure it can. I just think that they can go in multiple directions, and I think that they're at least in a good spot. The only thing is, is who is going to be the next head coach? And will Ryan Poles deal away any other second-round picks next year? Because apparently that's his thing. But if I were Ryan Poles and the ownership group, I'm saying we have invested time in trying to develop Justin Fields. If we have the first overall pick, we either use it on a player or trade the pick. And I know everybody is all hot for Caleb Williams and super talented. Is he smart enough to play at this level? There's been a lot of boneheaded mistakes by Caleb Williams. And some of that is immaturity at the position, sure. And I'm not, I'm not here to suggest that Justin Fields is like miles better than Caleb Williams because I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I think Caleb Williams is super talented. But I think in the position that they are in, can you get more for the first round pick than you can for Justin Fields? Yes. 100% yes. And are you going to improve your roster enough? The offensive line, the wide receivers, enough for Caleb Williams to be impactful early on. We can point to the success that CJ Stroud has had and said, okay, yeah, it's, you know, you have a good organizational background, then sure, you can make it work. But you can also point to the Carolina Panthers and what they've done with Bryce Young and say, that is the flip side to what can happen to a young quarterback if the pieces in place are not good enough. That being maybe the coaching staff, that being the offensive line, the running game, the receiving weapons, all of that. So I don't think it's as cut and dry as just draft Caleb Williams and have success. Because I think there is a long road to success for the Chicago Bears if they do 
draft Caleb Williams at number one if that's where they get that pick. And I don't think it comes that easy for the Chicago Bears. So there's a lot to chew on there. I had mentioned the Carolina Panthers, and we did a lot on the Panthers yesterday. And then as I'm leaving the building yesterday, more stuff happens. So for those that don't know, Josh McCowan, fired. Deuce Daly, fired. And all of this done by the interim head coach, Chris Tabor, with input from Jim Caldwell. I really struggle with this one because I I can go both ways with it. One, those were clearly Frank Reich guys. We know that. Here's the other thing. Were they also CJ Stroud guys? Huh. Interesting. But for the interim coach and whatever Jim Caldwell's title is, special assistant, offensive assistant, I don't know, associate head coach, whatever. For the GM to allow that to be the case, that really makes me wonder again about how this organization is run. We're going to have Sean King on later, and we're definitely going to talk about this with him. But as we look at the Carolina Panthers under David Tepper, who have now, you know, Ron Rivera was the coach when he took over. Ron Rivera was gone. Matt Rule came in. Lots of excitement for Matt Rule. He was going to turn it around. Matt Rule, fired. Frank Reich comes in. Frank Reich's got Bryce Young. Was Was he really a Bryce Young guy? That remains to be seen. That will all come out in the wash. But then they fire Frank Reich. And now the rest of this season for Bryce Young is basically don't get hurt and don't make too many mistakes. This is a lost developmental year for Bryce Young because there's been already so much turnover. Josh McCown, who was brought in to work with Bryce Young, along with Frank Reich, is gone. Deuce Daly, the offensive coordinator. Well, sorry, he was the running backs coach. He's gone. So where is the continuity for a young quarterback here? Because the NFL road is absolutely littered with quarterbacks who had no organizational structure, went through so many coaches, and just became backup quarterbacks in the NFL. And I'm not saying that that's what the path is here for Bryce Young. But what I do know is that it's a disaster there. So the question that I ask is, is the Carolina Panthers job a desirable one? It will be for up and coming coaches who are just looking for a head coaching job, because once you're in the fraternity, you know, we've seen how coaches are recycled in sports, in football in hockey in baseball, basketball, all the same. It's very cyclical. So, I look at the job and I say, could you imagine someone like Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan to go there? Probably not. 
I'll do one better. Could you imagine Bill Belichick going to work for David Tepper? Not a hope would Bill Belichick go work for David Tepper. I don't care if God himself is the quarterback because also Bill thinks he's smarter than him anyway. So that would definitely not work. So this doesn't feel like a desirable job for anybody who has experience at the head coaching position, unless it's somebody who's been out of the NFL for a bit and trying to come back. But nobody that you would maybe have at the top of your list is looking at that job and going, you know what? I really like that job. I really want to go work for an owner who is, although being fired in the the NFL is a very lucrative business. Just ask Frank Reich. It's making a lot of money to not work. Do we have that deal here? No, eh? Didn't think so. Lance is shaking his head. Lance has been here a long time. He knows. Knows where all the bodies are buried. (laughs) But if you're looking at that and saying like, am I even going to get time to work with this group? And is this group even good enough? The answer is no to the second part. So is this going to be a desirable job for experienced coaches for me the answer is no and when you have the first overall pick who who was who is a quarterback on your roster and just recently a first round a first overall pick I might add that should be a desirable position but everything that has gone on around it makes it so that it is not I can't tell you how many Carolina Panthers fans reached out yesterday and said that I'm saying stuff about David Tepper that they knew two years ago, that he is arguably the worst owner in the NFL. Welcome to the mainstream, David Tepper. So I'm very curious to see not only where they go organizationally with their head coach, I wonder about the future of Scott Fitterer, the GM. And I wonder how much stuff comes out about we wanted this player and ownership said, no, we want this player. Or we were very close to drafting CJ Stroud and ownership nixed that one. There's a lot there. And I'm very curious to see how this one plays out. Speaking of how this one plays out, everybody got so up in arms yesterday about Giants GM Joe Shane saying that if Daniel Jones is healthy, that he is the starting quarterback of the New York Giants. Here's my question. What the heck else is he supposed to say? Is he supposed to say the guy that we just signed to a massive contract that he probably didn't deserve? $40 million a year or 44 or whatever it is that he's supposed to say, you know what? When Daniel Jones comes back, he's got to compete for a spot. You know why he's not going to do that? Because then Daniel Jones has absolutely Zero trade value. And now you're probably on the other end of this listening and saying, Matt, he doesn't have trade value anyway. Here's why he does. Because GMs are stupid. Everybody as a GM has a moment of weakness where you go, I'm really desperate. I need to make a play for this guy. And this is what's available. I need to trade for him. Now, they would be doing the Giants a massive favor by taking him on. And I don't see it happening. But again, people get stupid. We all do. In moments of weakness, we make bad decisions. We are human. And so are general managers in the NFL. 
they look and say, you know what? I can fix that problem. That's the ego talking. So when you have emotion and ego in the same room, that equals disaster. And it happens. So Joe Shane can't come out here and say, you know what? Daniel Jones got a battle for that position. Not happening. But here's where it does get interesting. The Giants are going to have a high pick. And as much as this story about Tommy DeVito has been wonderful, by the way, the hand motion thing, he said there are no words to describe it. There's lots. You just can't say them in public. As an Italian, I'm very aware of this. And it's not pretty most of the time. But it's usually somewhere along the lines of, oh, that's kind of what it is. That's the meaning of it. Anyway, back to Daniel Jones. They're going to end up with a high pick here. And if Drake May or Jaden Daniels are available at whatever pick that they're drafting at, whether it be three or four or five, whatever the case may be, one of those quarterbacks is going to be available, by the way. Probably Jaden Daniels, who should win the Heisman Trophy, by the way. If those guys are available, you need to draft them. Get Brian Dable an actual quarterback, not some caricature of a quarterback. Not the guy who looks like Jim Carrey making faces on In Living Color. Lance knows exactly what I'm talking about because he just made that face. But that's Daniel Jones's resting face. That's not him making one of these faces. Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. He's not. In what was considered a great season last year for Daniel Jones, he finished with 15 touchdown passes, five interceptions, 3,205 yards, while rushing for 708 yards and seven scores in 16 games. That's still only 22 total touchdowns that he accounted for. Well, Matt, he didn't turn the ball over. I don't care. It's not good enough. Let's not forget that in 10 of 16 starts last year, Daniel Jones threw for 200 yards or less. And I was being very generous because in another start, he threw for 202 yards, which is not much better. So basically what I'm saying is in 11 starts, he sucked. He also had four games where he had zero touchdown passes, including three games in a row. That's not a quarterback that you can win with. And I know that there are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that you can't win with. But if you are the New York Giants and you are presented with the option of drafting a quarterback and then getting out of Daniel Jones's contract with a dead cap of $22 million after next season, guess what? You better be looking at it. Because you're going to have a quarterback on a rookie deal, which makes eating $22 million a hell of a lot more palatable than trying to figure out if Daniel Jones can be your guy. Because we are in year six next year of the Daniel Jones experiment. And it is not yielding the results that you thought it would. And I know this is a new front office, a new head coach, not the same group that drafted Daniel Jones. Even more reason to not have him around. So to put everything full circle here, Joe Shane has to say, 
that Daniel Jones is the starting quarterback of this team next year, because if he doesn't, he will have less than zero trade value. Or as they refer to it on the trailer park boys, a zero less than zero. That's where the New York giants are at. Tommy DeVito this year literally has been better than Daniel Jones. I know it's not saying much, but he's been better. Like Lance says, it must be his mom's cooking. Listen, as a son of an, uh, of an Italian couple, mom's cooking, no one knows cooking. That's good. It's good stuff. That's, that's exactly, it's the fuel, Lance. It's the fuel that fires. Yeah. And the thread of the slipper or the wooden spoon. That was my house. Wooden spoons. Yeesh. Not great. Shout out mom. Moms are the best. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, he is a former NFL quarterback. He is a Super Bowl champion, and he's the co-host of VEASAN's Primetime. Sean King will join me when we come back. Lots to talk about, lots of QB talk, of course, uh, from the former quarterback. We'll get to all that when we come back. Matt Marchese right here on the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back in a few. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back. This is the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And for all those listening on the podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you. Subscribe, rate it, five stars. You know the drill. Matt Marchese here with you. Donovan Bennett back next Tuesday. And we've got a special guest on the line. Uh, Sean King is the co-host of VEASAN Primetime. He's a former NFL quarterback and, of course, a Super Bowl champion. Sean, how are you today? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Well, I mean, I'm I'm okay because, you know, watching sports on the East Coast kind of sucks, especially when you have to stay up late to watch a Bears-Vikings game like that one last night. But I will say at least there were some things to talk about. And and I wanted to start out with, with the, the Justin Fields conversation because, you know, everything it feels like a week-to-week thing now in the NFL. And, and you know, one week it's, well, are they going to keep Justin Fields? And now it's, oh, are they going to trade Justin Fields? And after watching him last night, like I, I see that throw that he makes to DJ Moore to basically clinched the game and it's a dot like it's as good of a throw I know there wasn't a lot in terms of coverage on DJ Moore but it was a great throw when you watch him and see what's going on around him have you seen enough from Justin Fields to say I would be comfortable with him being my quarterback going forward if I'm the Bears or do you seriously consider looking at taking and if it's the first overall pick Caleb Williams or later someone else like how comfortable are you with what you've seen from Justin Fields well, let me ask you this. Have you seen elite talent from Justin Fields? I have at times, yeah. What does Justin Fields surround it with? No. So you, the, the young quarterback, the young quarterback is showing you that he has elite talent. He's had elite games running the ball. He's had elite games throwing the ball. And he's surrounded by nothing but DJ Moore. And... If you get better around him, now that elite talent shows itself more consistently. Like, I was so disappointed in Troy Aikman last night because I've seen him make every excuse in the book for Zach Wilson, but then he just hammered Justin Fields at every possible chance last night. I mean, did they block anybody in the first half of that game? 
I mean, he was running for his life on every pass play, yet he started the game 12 for 12, all because of his ability. So, so to answer your question, absolutely that young man has shown enough to be the long-term quarterback. And he's did it with two different head coaches and two coordinators in three years. So he hadn't even had real consistency. They need to invest in the pieces around Dustin Fields so the team has a chance to actually be successful on a consistent basis. And that, and honestly, Sean, I, I, I'll i be very frank here. I had Justin Fields ahead of Trevor Lawrence in their draft year. I thought Justin Fields was a much better player. I mean, not much better, but I thought he was the better player. I thought the ceiling was higher for Justin Fields than it was for Trevor Lawrence. Now, Trevor Lawrence is had pieces put around him. They've improved the offensive line. And I agree with you. I don't think that the bears have done nearly enough. And I look at it and say, if you have the first overall pick, whether you trade it, or if you go and draft a guy like, Oh, I don't know, Marvin Harrison jr. And give him another weapon while also maybe using the second first round pick to improve your offensive line. I think that goes a long way. And and like you said, allowing Justin Fields to show what he's capable of. So we're, we're on the same page page there um my only concern is i don't know if i trust the bears to do that sean i don't either because the easy way is to say okay we're going to start over with a young quarterback but that young quarterback is going to be surrounded by the same lack of pieces that justin fields is justin fields doesn't even have a top 20 running back like just think about that like like, no offense to khalil herbert or sean johnson those guys aren't top 20 running backs I mean, Cole Komet's not a top 10 tight end. Uh, and I'm not trying to knock those guys. I'm just saying the organization has to be honest. It's the same thing with Bryce Young in, in Carolina. You can't judge Bryce Young based on this season. Their best receiver is freaking Adam Thielen. And who's their second best? They don't have one. Like, Miles Sanders was so good. One of the best franchises in football, the Philadelphia Eagles, said we're going to take a chance on DeAndre Swift, who for some reason Deuce Staley wouldn't play in Detroit and let Miles Sanders walk out the door. And guess what? DeAndre Swift looks better than Miles Sanders, who's the starting running back in Charlotte. Like, when these young guys aren't surrounded by good pieces, you can't evaluate them. That league is hard when everything around you is perfect. It's almost impossible when nothing around you really is elite. And and you've played the position at the highest level. You know, um, you've won games in the NFL, certainly a lot more than some people that have an opinion on it. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Bryce Young thing because this has been obviously a big talking point. They they let go of Frank Reich and and then yesterday they decide, well, Josh McCowan, Deuce Staley, you're out the door too. Um, I, I want to talk about the development of Bryce Young because you know this as a former quarterback and how important it is to have not only good pieces around him, but good organizational structure. And frankly, we haven't seen that. Like, I don't know what the evaluation process was on the offensive line or the receivers that they brought in, but obviously this is, as much as I think there is a Frank Reich issue here, I also think that Scott Fitterer, the GM, and even David Tepper, the owner, have probably more to be blamed about than than Bryce Young and Frank Reich in this situation. Well, I'll say this. All of this is a David Tepper problem. And until he comes with grips that, and listen, he's caked up. I mean, he's one of, in a league full of a bunch of wealthy guys. I think he's, what, top three or four in total, total, total uh, wealth. I mean, he's, he's a big money guy. He's super brilliant. He's not a football guy. 
And until he comes to grips with the fact that just because he bought something doesn't mean he knows how to fix it, it's going to be hard for the Panthers to take the next step. Because there's one constant in all of this. Matt Rule was a failed hire, but who hired him? David Tepper. He decided Frank Wright was a bad hire, but who hired him? David Tepper. So obviously it seems like the guy making the hires is the guy making the mistakes. But is he going to pass that responsibility to somebody who maybe can make a more prudent hire, that can have more patience, that can understand the process that it takes to become a productive and consistently successful organization? If he's not going to do that, then this cycle is just going to repeat itself because he doesn't have patience, yet he doesn't seem to be making the right decisions. Made the bad decision with quarterback with Matt Rule. Didn't understand the mountain that this young quarterback's going to have to climb over before he's successful with Bryce Young. Sean King, co-host of VEASAN Primetime, former NFL quarterback and Super Bowl champion, joining Matt Marchese here on the fan checkdown. So when you, is there even, like, because I've said this, I think this is an absolute wasted development year for Bryce Young. And and you talk about the, the hill that there is to climb, like, that rookie year is so important for so many quarterbacks because, you know, you can you can get a little gun shy when you're under pressure all the time. Like we look no further than than David Carr during his time with the Texans. That was horrible. We're seeing a lot of that with Bryce Young. Have you seen I mean, there's some good moments and we have seen some moments where you look, OK, OK, the talent is certainly there. Obviously, it's there. He's the first overall pick. But is there really any way to even say like, I can take away good things from Bryce young, but there's so much bad around him that I can't even begin to make any sort of assessment. And we're not really going to know what Bryce young is going to be until maybe after next year, if the Panthers are lucky at this point. Yes. And I'll make this comparison just like Trevor Lawrence's rookie year on the urban Meyer, which was an absolute disaster. It's something that everyone forgot about. Then guess what? He got Doug Peterson in the building. They brought in, uh, what is it? What was the guy from, uh, was it Christian Kirk? Uh, they added Zay Jones. Then the second year, they added Calvin Ridley. They drafted Travis Etienne. And guess what? Trevor Lawrence looks like a good quarterback. If Carolina does the same thing and improves around Bryce, I promise you he'll look like a good quarterback too. Because where it really sucks for Bryce He should have been walking in an organization that had Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. And they went out and added Miles Sanders and Adam Thielen. And now you can, okay, he's got legitimate NFL weapons, but he walked into a Panther organization that just traded away Christian McCaffrey midseason, traded away DJ Moore to acquire a pick to select him. So that, that cupboard was bare. I mean, you look at those guys, I mean, let's be honest, man. They just aren't really good around him. And the offensive line is a work in progress there as well. So I feel bad for Bryce, but I think Trevor Lawrence is a good comparison. You know how you just had to dump that initial year under uh, Urban Meyer in the garbage? We have to do the same thing with Bryce Young. Yeah, and it's it's a real shame because, I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. This is also the same organization that turned down two first-round picks for Brian Burns. Uh, cause that's what the Rams had offered. Mm-hmm. So like, there, there are a lot of mistakes to go around here. And I want you, you've been around when, you know, like coaches have come and gone in, in your career. And, and you've seen that like an in season change and like how much of an, of a hard adjustment is that? Or is it just like, there's very minor changes with, you know, scheming and, and offensive structure because you really can't do much in such a short period of time. Like, is that kind of how it works behind the scenes? I think it depends. I think uh, 
I've never heard any player in Carolina say that they dislike Frank Wright. So I think that's a detriment. I think that's strictly the owner and his ego. Something transpired in an interaction between David Tepper and Frank Reich that David Tepper thought was disrespectful or didn't like. And he seems to be a guy that's it's emotionally hijacked. And he said, okay, well, if that's how you feel, then you're out. And he fired everybody else. The guy was a Frank Wright guy that he could get rid of, you know, just to prove a point. Whereas the Oakland Raiders, none of those guys like Josh McDaniels. They fired Josh McDaniels midstream, uh, make Antonio Pierce the interim head coach. They're a completely different team all of a sudden. Won two games, super competitive against the uh, in, against the Dolphins and Chiefs. So, I mean, it, it just depends. Like, how what's the culture inside of the organization? How does the locker room feel about the current leadership? Do you do you think after this move, because, that you know, Frank Reich had the, let's, I don't want to call it unsuccessful because there was some success in Indianapolis, but certainly not what people had expected. And after this here where, you know, let's face it, I don't think a lot of the, I think some of the blame is on Frank Reich, but not all of it. How quickly do you think that Frank Reich can get a job here? Like, does, is he one of those guys that maybe he needs to take a year off and then people kind of forget about him? And then it's like, oh, by the way, Frank Reich is available. And remember when he was a brilliant mind and when he was with the Eagles and the success he had with their offense and a little bit with Indianapolis, and they almost forget about the Carolina experience. Yeah, I would say this, and it's kind of ironic because he's a former quarterback. I would only consider Frank as a head coach if we already had an established, proven Pro Bowl quarterback. Because his issue seems to be getting the quarterback position right. That's what cost him in Indy. Matt Ryan didn't work. Carson Wentz didn't work. He got fired. Now he goes to Carolina. I don't know if he preferred C.J. Stroud. I'm not real sure what was going on this season regarding how he felt about Bryce Young. But that was really, in my opinion, the the kind of – the, the the issue that led to his early exit in Carolina. So I just cognizant about what our quarterback position looks like, and I wouldn't put him in a position to have to fix that position. But other than that, I, I think he's very well respected from a, a, a scheme and, and play calling standpoint. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I wanted to ask you about the QB class coming in because, listen, there, it feels like, and I know we've kind of gone through this in years past where it's like, oh, this feels like it's going to be a QB class for the ages. And and I actually look at this one and I say, I actually believe that that is the case. Now, I could be wrong, but you look at, you know, Caleb Williams, who, you know, all young quarterbacks are going to have their warts. He has his warts. Drake May has his warts. But there is some elite talent here when you talk about Williams and May and and Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix and Bo Nix and wherever you want to throw Quinn, Quinn Ewers in that conversation as well how do you how do you look at this class like do you think it is as elite as some people do or do you have some reservations about it I think just and I have not deep dived all of them and I will, and you'll, and I'll come back on as we get close to the draft, and we can have a, a couple segment conversation about it. This, in my opinion, is one of the most deep and talented quarterback classes we've seen in a long time. And where I caution people is don't get caught up in the predisposed rankings because I don't think it's going to go down Caleb Drake. 
Mm. I think when people look at how good a season Jayton's had and really break him down and his skill set, and I know Bo Nix was a disaster at Auburn, but, man, his film these two years in Oregon is elite. Yeah. And Michael Penix, probably the best pure thrower of the football of all of them. Can't hear what do his medical show because he got injured a couple times in Indiana. Like, don't I don't think it's going Caleb one, Drake two. I think these other three guys are legitimately going to be in the conversation to go number one overall because I think they're that good. You know, it's funny that you say that because I've had a lot of conversations with people about Caleb Williams and his tape and. A lot of people that I've spoken to, they look at it and go, I'm just worried about his in-game adjustments. Like, he's not making – I know, and I know a lot of college quarterbacks don't make any checks at the line, and it all comes from the coaching staff. But there is a lot of, of you know, kind of figure it out as you go along, I guess you can say, with Caleb Williams. And that's why I'm very curious, like, how other teams view him because – <sighs> one of the most talented quarterbacks that we've seen, but there's a lot of little nuances to his game that maybe teams don't like. Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't know if it's his game. Cause I do think he's going to be off the charts as far as how he throws the ball. Uh, if you've ever heard of Sean Payton talk about Patrick Mahomes workout down in Lubbock uh, for his pro day and how windy he was and how the ball just came off his hand different and cut through the wind. Caleb's going to be fantastic on pro day. Caleb Williams is going to involve his evaluation of all run things. Do you like him? He seems like a kid that's very easy to not like. Hmm. You ever got like that one athlete that his talent is immense, but just, God, he's just a little too cocky, you know, a little too about me. And I'm not saying he's like that. This is from a distance. And this is some of the rumblings that I've heard. Mm-hmm. If he can make the other teams like him, he'll be the first pick in the draft. But that's a big if. Remember, he said it himself, like, people would love to be in these 12 and a halfs, right? Like, yeah, go pipe down a little bit, Caleb. Y'all don't even want a college championship there. <laughs> I love it. Um, so so with, with the depth at the position at quarterback, do you think that maybe there are some teams that look at it and say, maybe we take a shot at quarterback here when other people may think that we don't? Like, I, I think about a team like the Seattle Seahawks, for example, because I I do wonder about Geno Smith's future there. I know he's had a rough year. I know he's been banged up and I understand all that because that was one of the teams that I had suggested. Like if the Chicago bears were to even consider trading Justin Fields, I think Justin Fields in Seattle would be a fantastic fit. Um, Could you see a team like Seattle maybe going, I don't want to say off the board, but maybe making a pick that surprised you or, or any other team because these quarterbacks are so good. Yeah, here's what's fascinating. If you look at the top six as they currently stand, and I'm just making myself the GM of these teams, there's only two that I think would go quarterback. That's New England at three and the Giants at six. I've already gave the case why I think Justin Fields should get the job. Kyler Murray has looked new and improved since he returned from ACL. I'm a huge Sam Howell fan. You guys know that. That's another guy. If they they get better around him, he's going to be outstanding. So, with a class this deep, now you start thinking, okay, who's willing to give up what to move up? Tampa probably would be willing to give up everything to get an elite quarterback. They're at seven. The Jets, okay, is Aaron Rodgers coming back this season? If he doesn't, does he have the desire to go through another offseason and play next year? Because if he does, the Jets aren't in the market. The Chargers would be at nine. They got Justin Herbert. Tennessee, 
I mean, they've used a second and third round pick on a quarterback the last two years, and Malik Willis and Will Levis. I mean, do they stuff? Do they? Well, I mean, so like, it's not like the teams that are at the top are automatic quarterback needy teams. So that's what's going to be fascinating about this. I mean, who's willing to make the big move to trade up? Like, I don't know. I mean, if you're Atlanta and you don't make the playoffs, even if you do, I mean, I'd be willing to give up everything. Add a young quarterback to that mix of John Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. You know, I mean. And a good offensive you could line. You talking about. Right. You know, so I think those are the kind of teams that are kind of what you're going to have to gauge is, is what's the price point. You look at what Carolina gave up last year. I mean, well, yeah, what Carolina gave up last year to move up. So that would probably be the starting point. It's going to be a fascinating draft because there's some really good, I think, other players that are franchise-changing players in this draft that are not quarterbacks. So be a really good time to have a top-ten pick, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no kidding, um, because we saw what the price that was paid to move up to get Bryce Young, and you could make the case that maybe three or four of the quarterbacks that are in this draft might be better than Bryce Young. So if that's what the cost is, boy, oh, boy, I'd be happy to take that package in return as well. Uh, Sean, listen, you've been so gracious with your time. Thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I'm going to take you up on that offer. Closer to draft day, we're going to have you back on, okay? I absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. There he goes. Sean King, Super Bowl champion, former NFL quarterback, and co-host of VEASAN Prime Time. Uh, what a wonderful conversation that was. Um, Mr. Lance, and we're doing this on the fly because somebody sent me this. Uh, our pal Devang actually sent me this. There is a clip uh, from Ari Marov uh, at My Sports Update talking about uh, David Tepper where he confirmed something. Can we just see if we can get that before the end of the show here? Um, listen, Sean is Sean was very accurate. I love the assessment of the quarterback position too, because as much as we do believe that teams are just going to bend over backwards and take a quarterback up at the top of the draft, I, I'm not so certain that, that that's the case. I think Sean's right. I think some of these teams that maybe a little bit further back might trade up and they're going to have to pay a bounty, but they're going to get a really good quarterback out of it. Like if the Tennessee Titans aren't that sold on Will Levis, I mean, could they take a quarterback three years in a row? Sure. Of course they could. But I don't see that happening. With that being said, there are other teams. The Atlanta Falcons were mentioned in there as well. They don't get into the playoffs. You know, the Seattle Seahawks. Could they move up in the draft and try and, you know, get a quarterback? It's a very, very fascinating draft coming up. And and Sean's point about it being one of the more elite in terms of quarterback talent. I think that's a really accurate assessment. There's lots of really good quarterbacks like Jaden Daniels doesn't get talked about enough. I know he's, he's getting the hype now, but certainly like after three or four games this year, probably should have been more of a conversation about that because he's been fantastic. Like I said earlier, probably should win the Heisman trophy. It's going to be fun. This is going to be a really fun draft. And there's lots, there's lots to talk about um, surrounding that. And as we get closer to draft day, I'm sure we will have a special draft show. Um, just trying to find the, the clip. N- no luck, eh, Lance? Okay. Uh, basically, here, here's, what, here's what we have here. This is from uh, Ari Marov uh, at My Sports Update. And this was a video, and I don't, I'm assuming it's from 
the Carolina Panthers. Basically, uh, David Tepper, Panthers owner, confirms they were supposed to trade to number two and take C.J. Stroud because they believed Houston would have taken Bryce Young at number one. Tepper says everyone in the building wanted Young. We are totally confident in that pick. So hold on a second here, David Tepper. So you were supposed to trade to two to take C.J. Stroud, but you traded to one and then took Bryce Young. Tell me how any of this makes sense. You know that that saying about this is how bad organizations stay bad? It's for stuff like this. There's another thing to be said about verbal diarrhea and how sometimes you just need to be quiet. Sometimes you need to stop talking and just sit in the background. Boy, oh boy, that Panthers organization's a nightmare. I feel for you, Panthers fans. I really do. Because when we look about we look at the, the talent that has exited that door, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, first round picks. But hey, we kept Brian Burns, who's a good player in his own right. Kept him, and there was an opportunity to get two first round picks for him. Can't make this up, ladies and gentlemen. That's going to do it for us for the fan check down. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Lance behind the glass. Thanks to Sean King, who was fantastic. We'll be back tomorrow with Adam rank, our weekly NFL insider. Don't miss it. Talk to you tomorrow.